The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. Welcome to Identity Matters Worldview Institute. We're an outreach of IOM America. You can visit our main website at www.iomamerica.org. We are pleased that you decided to join us in our message today. Boys to Women is a part of a cultural series that we are doing in the I Am Online Worldview School, which hosts, by the way, well over 70 courses related to a biblical worldview. Our school focuses on addressing issues related to Christ, culture, and the Creator. Today's message is Boys to Women. We trust that you will find answers to many of the questions that you have in regard to this cultural issue we are facing today of boys transitioning into girls. Being a boy is a major liability in today's culture. You have heard the adage, boys will be boys. Well, today, that is a racist statement, at least with most public schools. Can you imagine a boy being sent home for nibbling a Pop-Tart into a gun? Or a boy drawing a picture of a sword fight? Both of these events happened. In America's schools, boys are constantly and consistently punished for being active, competitive, aggressive, or restless. Our conclusion is, boys can no longer be boys. Why does our enemy push for boys being treated like defective girls? Great question, and it deserves a great answer. In the Bible, boys are representative of Christ. Girls, or wives, are the representatives of the church, the Holy Spirit. This is why the church is spoken of as being a she, the bride of Christ. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. For the husband is head of his wife, as Christ also is head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. God created women to have a natural, instinctive ability to care for children. Furthermore, he designed men with an instinct to protect and serve women. The best illustration is men are the outward structure of a house. And women are the infrastructure within the house. This creational element was for the strict purpose of establishing Christ's role within the church long after he physically went on to be with his father. This is the reason behind his design and instruction for men to function as the protector or head of their homes. If weakened, the home becomes penetratable for the enemy. When this creational element is reduced, refined masculinity is no longer developed and praised. Once masculinity is subversed, Christ's role in the church dissipates. 
Here's our scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 says, For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the full knowledge of truth. Well, I'm apt to lose some listeners over this statement, but it must be stated. One of the leading impulses available to tempt our women today is Christianized feminism. This single lie has dominated the entire church, present culture, and global politics. Feminism is nothing short of a girl becoming a man, minimally in functionality. Just as in the case of an effeminate male is a boy becoming a woman. Most Christian women who are associated with the term feminism are horrifically offended, although they don't mind society talking or labeling most men as effeminate, weak, and devoid of authentic masculinity. Our challenge? Feminists can't handle non-effeminate men. Statistics prove this. When a man rises to the occasion of maleness, feminists, Christian or not, grab their picket signs and begin their self-proclamations and ideations of their identity. This, my dear listener, is what our boys are reared as the cultural norm. Seriously, why would a boy want to become a masculine man fully knowing they will be defeated or beaten down by a masculine woman? Who's to blame? This might hurt for some men, but it's our cowardice men. Child psychology reveals that boys go through a phase of wanting to be like their fathers. If a culture matriculates an absent father syndrome, boys will innately attempt to be like their mothers. When this happens, most boys become effeminate, and in most cases, effeminate boys propagate a homosexual modality. A homosexual culture activates a different kind of interaction between Christ and the world. We are seeing the birth pangs of this today. Boys becoming homosexual is expected from this modality. But when boys want to grow up to be women, this kind of thinking tampers with the creational elements of the living God. Homosexuality is as old as humanity itself. Gender altering is relatively new to our depraved culture. In the 80s, I conducted a research poll of a group of fifth graders. We placed a poster on the wall of a Christian rock group. All the male members looked exactly like women. Makeup, hair, the whole deal. We brought the grade schoolers in two by two. One male, one female. Each was asked to state if these people were males or females. Outside of one child, who knew the group, all stated they were girls. After the conclusion of this poll, I knew within a few short years we would begin to see an implosion of the sexes. Today, that would be an understatement. Boys and girls will automatically turn to their idols for their gender association if the mother and or the father within the home is not setting a biblical example of male and femaleness. Keeping in mind that children earnestly work to be like their idols, 
When the enemy populated these idols as gender neutral, the culture of gender neutrality was born. Personally, I believe that males are a threat to Satan. While most males have lost the authentic meaning of maleness, Satan hasn't. Satan knows better than most how God, through Jesus Christ, manages the church. It is clearly depicted in the verse we just read. It doesn't take a genius to figure out a plan that is certain to destroy the church, turn boys into women. The enemy has perpetrated every venue of society to accomplish this depraved thinking. And it's working. He knows this is a methodology that is certain to block Christ from being head of the church, minimally given an appearance of impotence. In fact, daily, we read or hear more news regarding females taking the place of male leadership within the church, or even through the adoption of homosexual and lesbian pastors. By most biblical standards, the church is sick. Most assume that Satan is male. While this might be true, most graphic imagery depicts him as part male, female, and a beast. I call it the triune image of Satan. I am apt to believe in their depiction, actually. I also believe that he is relentless in attempting to form mankind into his own image. If this is true, we are seeing this objective made successful in our global society today. While I care deeply about our gender issues, what I'm most concerned about is the percentage of mankind being converted into Satan's image. Since the world follows images over truth, our world is being set up for something far more disturbing than gender neutrality. People love fighting over issues. I don't. I'm more interested in motive, purpose, and identity, particularly in hidden leaders. Silent leaders are either the most effective or are dangerous in their leadership. Satan is a silent type, at least in revealing his personhood. He's not about to show his face until the first day of his tribulation. Until then, he will work tirelessly through issues in human rights. All humans are created to demand what they believe is right. Ironically, in the beginning, it was to systematically maturate God's rights. Satan, on the other hand, is working at solidifying his rights, which are really wrongs, through human rights. This is made evident on the picket signs flooding the streets. The issue of boys to women will become one of the leading propagations of our end times. Count on it. Satan needs this cultural issue desperately. If he fails at this, Christ will have rule over the church once again, and he isn't about to have that. Plus, prophecy clearly reveals that Christ will not have control over the church until his second coming. Christ literally has to remove his bride, the church, through the rapture in order to accomplish this. 
This will be an event that will end all deceptions adopted by the authentic church. When the real church is removed, the emergent lukewarm church will remain. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, this church is referred to as the church of Laodicea, which he will spit out of his mouth. Our answer is lodged in exhorting boys to be biblical men. Sad to say, this takes a man to accomplish this, and there are few of those remaining. But to those men who still have some maleness cemented in their identity, I say reach out and disciple these boys while they are boys. Grow them up in the functionality of Christ's maleness and his male characteristics. Those men who are effeminate grow up unto the aspects of the Lord. Find another male who has held on to their masculinity and submit yourself to them for discipleship. We live in a culture when men run at the first sign of conflict, particularly from male leadership. They quickly adhere to female counselors, pastors, and disciples. This is not a new problem. This is the exact sin Adam committed in the garden. Now, if you remember in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Yes, it's true. Adam should have listened to the voice of God the Father. It was from this initial fall that Satan found his upward call for all the ages. Thank you for joining us today in our topic of Boys to Women. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel or browse around in our online school to see if there are other topics that will assist you in your growth in Christ. Until next time.